Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Hey everybody, welcome to the Atheist Experience. We are live. It is December 14th, 2014. We're coming up on the holiday season. Indeed. I think we're knee deep in the holiday season. I, I certainly am. So we are live from Austin, Texas, and we take live calls, and there'll be a number up at the bottom of the screen uh, very shortly. The camera angle looks shockingly weird to me, like it's yeah. higher and shooting more of the table. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, we... Uh, I don't. We can't. I don't even have any other actual announcements. Did you have announcements that uh, need to be made? Um, I, I don't think so. It's kind of weird. There's not much going on. Sweet. Then we'll just talk about whatever we want to talk about, and okay. we'll get to callers. So you had something to start with. Yeah. So um, we all know about the war on Christmas because apparently we're waging it right now. I am a general, even, even though we're not. You know. Um, yeah, but there's actually also the war on reason that seems to happen every year. And the war on Christmas is kind of a symptom of that. But um, the other, there's a couple of other things that have been going on. And I guess I'll talk to the one that has come up recently, both in local Austin politics and in general, which is this idea that atheists can't run for public office in Texas. Um, we recently had a candidate for city council make that claim that her opponent was ineligible to hold office in Texas because he is an atheist and, um, you know, she's not and, and there's a law. And somebody had also posted uh, something similar, some article that had come out somewhere claiming that athe- uh, Texas is one of uh, several states that still have laws on the books that prevent atheists from holding public office. Um, I actually have to swat this down several times a year Me too. on the, fa- the ACA's Facebook page because people post this uncritically without seeming to realize that this law was struck down in 1961. Okay, the Torcaso v. Watkins Supreme Court decision struck all of these laws down. If you are an atheist, no matter where you live in the U.S., your atheism is not a barrier to running for public office. So stop posting this crap. Not only can you run, you, can you run. should run. Yes, you should run. You really should. It's, it's been particularly frustrating because I hear this, you know, obviously from, you know, occasionally from Christians like this person running for the city council, but also quite often from atheists who've been convinced of this. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing that bugs me. It's like, okay, if a Christian says it, we can, we can all point and laugh 
about how that they, they can't even seem to you know read a history book or, mm-hmm. or figure out that this law doesn't apply anymore. But when an atheist says it, I just kind of want to pound my head on the table and say, well, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you wasting time and resources on this? It's unenforceable. So the, the big issue that I keep hearing over and over again is, yes, we're, well, we're familiar with Tarkasa v. Watkins. Yes. Um, and we know that that law no longer has any teeth, but it's still there. And the thing that I've explained about a dozen times is that it will always be there. Yes. It is part of the Constitution. The only thing that we could do is pass a constitutional amendment that makes it null and void, but the language will still appear there. So now, what we would have, first of all, you live in Texas. It's unlikely, despite what the Supreme Court has to say, that that amendment will ever yeah. get passed because they'd rather we didn't run for office. Right. But assuming it gets passed, it'll still be there in the Constitution, and then you'll have to dig down and find an amendment that says, hey, this doesn't apply anymore. Well, why should we have to waste money and resources trying to do that when it's almost certainly not going to ever pass, or at least not anytime soon, mm-hmm. when you can look at it and instead of going down to the amendment, just go right over to Casa v. Watkins and say, yes, the Supreme Court has said that these sorts of things uh, no longer have any teeth. We're yeah. done. Uh, yeah. Well, so. and, you know, as an analogy, let me point out the fact that the law that bans sodomy in Texas is technically still on the books. Yeah. But that was struck down in the Lawrence v. Texas decision in 2003. And I promise you, no one in Texas is getting arrested anymore for c- committing sodomy in Texas. And you know what? The, the Texas GOP has made it like uh, one of the centerpieces of their, pla- their party's platform for years that they want to defend this um, sodomy law. Even though it was struck down and it has no teeth, it's never, they're never going to repeal that. It's going to be on the books for as long as they can possibly keep it there. But it has no teeth. No one's getting arrested for sodomy. You know, you can still be gay in Texas. It's not illegal. Um, you know, it, and it's the same thing with this Torcaso v. Watkins thing. It's kind of um, sad. But, you know, you don't see a bunch of um, gay rights groups running around saying, oh, my gosh, we've got... Torcasa, or we've got uh, sodomy laws on the books in Texas. We've yeah. got to get these off the books. You know, they're not wasting time doing this stuff. I think it's perhaps because more of them were uh, involved in actually changing the law and not just waiting in the sidelines. Yeah. It's the same thing for the uh, adultery laws. There are a handful of places where those laws still exist, and it is still technically illegal, and you could be prosecuted for it, but it's rare that they actually uh, go through with uh, even attempting to prosecute anybody for it because... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, eventually, that would get struck down as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing about my war on reason, um, this uh, release of the CIA, um, uh, the report on the CIA's torturing people, mm-hmm. um, that has dredged up some bad, uh, I guess, uh, um, bad memories for a lot of people, and it's um, brought the 9-11 truthers out of the woodwork again. So, oh, joy. Yeah. So we got a whole bunch of 9-11 truthers out there claiming, you know, more than 13 years after the fact that, you know, there's still something not quite right about this, which is just a little Maybe ridiculous. there is something still not quite right about yeah. it, but that doesn't lead them to the, the conclusions yes. that they're drawing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and regarding that CIA torture memo, I just want to say something um, about that. If you are... Um, defending the idea of shoving a ham sandwich up someone's ass because you pureed it in a blender and then um, used a little lube on the tube 
and called it a medical procedure before you, you know, insert it in someone. Um, if you're defending that, um, you're a rape apologist, okay? Because that that is rape. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. This is the most difficult thing ever because there's no way I should laugh at what you just said. But unfortunately, but, by blundering a ham sandwich, yeah, that's funny. You know, yeah. Not funny to actually do it, but. But no, I mean, but you know, if you're, if that's your idea of, yeah. you know, you think you're feeding someone by shoving a ham sandwich up their ass just because you put it in a blender and puree it first, doesn't make it a medical procedure, doesn't make it not tortured, and it and it's still rape, okay? Um, and whether he tells you anything of value after you do this to him or not is kind of irrelevant. <laughs> the, the ends justifying the means. Yeah. So um, anyway, it's, it's funny. It's fun to see kind of like the the reasoned tap dance that people do around uh, yeah. certain subjects. I was yeah. just at the University of North Dakota, and we were tabling prior to the event where I was going to speak. Mm-hmm. And next to us were the Jehovah's Witnesses, and he decided that he wanted to come over and engage with me with his little booklet about the Bible, God's yes. word or man's yeah. word. And so I did for like 20 or 30 minutes. And it, watching him try to tap dance t- to say that what the Bible has to say about slavery isn't slavery and that uh, it's something else and that it may not be wrong and that he's not sure and then smiling nervously while we yeah. well, just, we're just not going to agree here. And I was like, look, you know, would you let me enslave you under these laws? Whether you call it slavery or not, I want you to be my property under these laws. Would, would you go for that? Well, no, I, I wouldn't want that. Okay, why wouldn't you want that? Well, because that, that's, this isn't under God's kingdom now. If it was under God's kingdom, it was, oh, yeah. it was an amazing tap dance. It's like, no, no, just stand at the door. I'm going to drive the nail through. Yeah, it you know, we'll much. just pierce your ear for a while. Yeah. You know, you're my property. I can pass you on to my kids. And it's amazing yeah. that something that they it clearly understands is wrong. He cannot say it's wrong because then that would be an admission that the Bible is endorsing something that's immoral. And that yeah. that he can't allow. It's It's strange to see the... The twisting that people go through to keep from having to yeah. admit to themselves and to anyone else that what they believe is crap. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're 9-11 truther before you you send that email telling us, oh, but have you seen the 9-11 yes. engineers and architects for truth, whatever, please, we've seen them. Trust me. Every time, <laughs> Every time it gets mentioned at all. Oh, but you guys, I can't believe that you guys are so irrational and, and gullible that you'd buy into the official story. Yes. Uh, I, I haven't said at all what story I buy into at all. Uh, I just don't buy into the conspiracy theory. Uh, maybe I haven't bought into anything. Maybe you considered yeah. that. But. Oh, well. Anyway, we've got uh, Steve in Pittsburgh. Thanks for waiting. Hey, hi. How are you guys doing? All doing right. pretty well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I could talk about a, a, a wide range of things. Um, I used to be agnostic. I'm actually now interested in becoming a priest. Okay. Um, my, that's my first topic I was thinking about is, was uh, near-death experiences. Um, yeah, it also says, it also death, says here that you saw a demon. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. How do you know? Um, it's hard to explain. It's just like you experience it, and it's just like, very overwhelming, like, I felt like this overwhelming energy was, like, terrifying looking. Um, okay, so first of all, it says here you saw a demon. Did you actually see something? Because now you're just talking about how you felt. Yeah, no, it was uh, black and red. It was about, like, six feet tall. Okay. How, how did you determine, how did you determine that what you saw was a demon? 
guess I don't know for a fact, but it seems like that's the thing that makes the most sense. Okay, how can that be the thing that makes the most sense? I mean, if we're trying to, if you've if you've seen something, you've witnessed something, and you're trying to figure out what it is, um, what we have to do then is go through the known possible explanations and figure out which one of them is most plausible. Now, I don't know that, you know, I have no reason to think that demons actually exist. I don't know exactly what you saw. Um, but I don't know how you concluded that the most reasonable explanation for what you witnessed is that it was, in fact, a demon. Well, I mean, I don't know how else, like, what else to conclude. I mean, it's, it's what it looked like. See, that that's a fallacy. That is the, I can't think of anything better, and so this is the best explanation. That does That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a fallacy, which is sometimes labeled argument from ignorance and sometimes argument from personal incredulity. But the fact that you can't think of any better explanation than demon is kind of like, uh, you know, we've, we've come across a, a murdered body, and I can't think of anyone more likely to have done it than the butler. So you need something more than just, I can't think of anything better in order to say that this was what I saw. I mean, that was one out of, like, many experiences I've had. So I don't know, it's just... I mean, the number of experiences for me has convinced me of... Do you you see supernatural things often? What? Do you see supernatural things often? I've had a number of supernatural experiences. How did you know they're supernatural? Yeah, how do you know that... How do you come to that conclusion? Um, Well, I mean, like, okay, for example, like, you see a book slide off a table... Uh, I've seen books slide off the table. Rational explanation for it. So I've seen books slide off the table. I've never concluded. I've never had reason to conclude that it was supernaturally caused. So what did you think caused it? Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what the explanation is. But I'm not asserting to know the explanation for any of it. You are the one who's claiming that that the most reasonable explanation is that something supernatural did it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. I mean, there's another guy waiting to call, so I'm kind of I'm kind of melding this call with, with another one. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, I appreciate the fact that we're able, actually able to discuss this. But the thing is, like, if you, you you mentioned when we got to this point where you you couldn't give a good reason for why you thought it was a demon, that you had had a whole bunch of supernatural experiences, and mm-hmm. my point is that. I don't know how you determined that any of them were supernatural, but having a okay. whole whole bunch of experiences where you committed the same fallacy to reach the conclusion, um, mm-hmm. the plural of anecdote is not evidence. And if you you know if you have flawed reasoning that's leading you to to the, to the same conclusion over and over and over again, that's not an accumulation of evidence. That's an accumulation of ignorance. Uh, okay, well, I mean, I guess I can't prove it to you until you actually experience it yourself. But um, well, the thing I is, like the thing is, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that you should be able to necessarily prove it to me. I'm baffled mm-hmm. as to how you proved it to yourself. I mean, that to me would be the more troubling thing because if I experienced, let's say, similar things to you, and I came to the conclusion yeah. that they were supernatural. Mm-hmm. I, I would want to have a good reason. I would need to have a good reason to reach that conclusion, and you seem to not care about having good reasons. Um, not that I don't care. It's just that, I mean, sometimes you see, you can, like, experience something, and you just, like, I mean, I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's, uh, it's, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be like, better? It's, it's, okay, okay. It's the term, like, seeing is believing. 
you know. But okay, like that's, that's so I've been a magician. I've been a magician since I'm, I was about five. Um, mm-hmm. Saying seeing is believing to me is an admission of of, of joyous gullibility. Uh, because I, I just did before the show. I just read somebody's mind in here in a most impossible or in, like unlikely uh, fashion, and they all saw it. Now, are they justified in believing that I'm actually psychic and can read their mind? Uh, I don't know. Well, there well, you go. That's the first time you've you've used the I don't know answer. Why don't you use that for the other things that you claim? No, to I mean, hey, okay, I admit I don't know, like. I can't, like, I don't know, like, okay. a lot of things, um, so I can't, yeah, I can't prove it, um, it's, it's just like, yeah, it's my belief, you know, because it's what I've experienced, so, so yeah, so, I can't, so, I can't. so, in other words, for you, it's not seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing, because you already believed that these things are real, and then you saw something that you couldn't explain, and you no, decided I never, that's... Well, I always thought that they might be real, but I never, like, believed that they were real, Okay, why would you what, think why? they might be real? Well, I mean, because other people said they experienced, like, the same things. Okay, so, like, okay, you, so there are you, people you who claim like, that... Go, you watch, like, Ghost Hunters, and... Steve? Yes, you know, that's all, hunters, that's like, all they, crap. They, like, they, like, they catch things on camera. And, like, no, no, they don't. No they, no, they actually don't, Steve. They're engaged in the same crap that... You, so there are people who claim that they've been abducted by aliens. Do you believe them? Uh, I believe that there's the possibility. I'm open-minded. So am I. I but I'm open-minded yeah. to actual evidence. You don't just believe a claim because a bunch of people have made it or it seems to be made pretty frequently. Uh, the number of people who believe something has no impact on whether or not it's true or likely true. And I want to believe as many true things and as few false things as possible. You don't seem yeah, to care. So what, you, you don't seem to care whether or not your beliefs are true. Because the I mean, method, what makes you think I don't care whether they're true? Of course I care whether they're true. Okay. I you, something you, that I thought you was just... Human. I want to know when if it's I was, true or not. Steve, when I was just when I was just running through the the methodology by which we would determine what a what a reasonable explanation is, when we went through all that, you acknowledged that you don't know what the explanation is, but you believe it anyway. That is a demonstration of someone who, whether you think you do or not, clearly does not care whether or not their beliefs are true. Because if you cared, then you couldn't possibly believe this until it had been demonstrated to be the case. Well, I, okay, well, I, okay, I mean, I don't know what demons are, you know, like, I, I, you said, you're saying I give an explanation, but, like, I don't know what demons are, like, I don't know, you know well, if you I don't, don't know, know what demons, Steve, if you it's don't, like a term for, like, I don't know, Steve, like, I don't know, Steve, if you don't know what demons are, how could you possibly ever conclude that a demon was the most likely explanation for what you saw, if you don't even know what demons are? Well, I guess I'm saying what I saw correlated to what other people call demons. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, I have I have no objection to somebody saying that what I experienced correlates to what other people are saying is a demon. Yes, yes. Okay. So, you want to talk about other things, or? Well, you had a question about near death experiences, so I figured we'd hit that real quick before we went on to another. Yeah. Um. You know, after I had this experience, you know, I got interested in like I started reading about like near death experiences and like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, they're just very interesting, like, the way that they all correlate to, like, you know, the same things and, like, there's, you know, but they people, don't. like, seeing things in other rooms that, other, like, other people later confirm. So, so the, they don't actually all correlate. Yeah. 
It's not like everybody uh, who a comes... A lot of them do, yeah. yeah. Sure, a lot of them do, and that's why I brought up the UFO stories. A lot of those uh, have striking correlations. Why do, you think, why do you think the UFO stories have a lot of similarities from person to person? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but do you think it's more likely it's because they're true or because these stories have entered popular culture and are therefore influencing what people, uh, how they're likely to recount things and how they're likely to view their memories? Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't either, but I, I think that something we know to be the case, which is the in, 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 intrinsically flawed eyewitness uh, testimony, you know, that people are horrible eyewitnesses and that people are easily influenced. So when we hear these stories about aliens, aliens used to take on all different kind of forms, which is why in the early days of science fiction movies, you know, you've got the blob and, and the robot monsters and all this other stuff. And then shortly after 2001, or, or uh, sorry, after... Uh, Close Encounters of the yeah. Third Kind, all of a sudden we see a, a massive shift towards smaller grays with almond eyes and big heads, and this becomes kind of the standard of what people are reporting. Is it more likely that those are the aliens that in fact are visiting these people, or that what people are seeing has been influenced by popular culture, and now that that's so popular, um, it's what we're likely to hear more about? Uh, I don't know, I guess, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I love that. I wish you would have said I don't know far more often with regard to the other things that you kind of went ahead and accepted an exp explanation for. So when you talk about near death, you talk about near death experiences. First of all, uh, there's a reason the the N word is there, the near part, not the N word, but near death. Um, that we're not actually talking about death. And then well, there's definitely a lot of them where people were dead for a long time. Uh, okay, so so dead is dead. Yeah. It's not like there was one guy who was dead for like. Like forty days or something ridiculous. Okay, that's no, so. If you, you can find anybody who was pronounced days. dead and was dead for forty days, and you know that this was confirmed, and then they came back to life, uh, now we've got something entirely different to discuss. Because either you misread something, you're making it up, or someone. It, it, was, a, it was a really long time. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was forty days, but it was a really long time. I'm sure you can find it if you if you, okay. if you look online. So it's out there somewhere. So if you're telling me that if I go look online, I'm likely to find a story about someone who is dead for a long time, maybe as much as 40 days, but not necessarily. Do you know what other stories I can find online? I mean, I think it was like Frozen. I remember. I'm not sure. Like, it was like really cool. Okay. Um, We're going to move yeah. on now, Steve. Thanks. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Is there any story you can't find online? Um, I... I'm pretty sure I can find a story about somebody who um, was anally probed by UFOs and maybe died for 40 days and came back and they they implanted him with something. You watch. If our show gets popular enough, yeah. the alien abduction scenarios will now include ham sandwiches injected in. That's right. <laughs> All right. We've got... Oh, yours, yours has a different list than mine. Yeah, I think uh, uh -oh. one of our callers dropped off. Hey, the, so... I hope he calls back. I hope that's yeah. a mistake because there was a guy who was saying that you guys are constantly talking about methodological naturalism, the, the foundations yeah. of science, and saying how there's no demonstrated way to confirm supernatural causation. And he thinks that we're wrong, that science yeah. can, in fact, confirm the supernatural. And I just had this argument the other day with somebody else. And that's why I asked specific questions of the first caller to give examples for these things. I'm not aware of any mechanism by which you can confirm supernatural causation. All you can confirm 
let's say there was something supernatural and it was manifesting in reality, all you could ever confirm are those manifestations. You can't confirm the cause. The effect is not in and of itself confirmation of a cause. Um, we, we have this discussion, actually, I had it with Matt Slick, yeah. um, and that prompted another discussion where people were citing uh, what my friend Richard Carrier had written about this, and evidently he and I disagree, but uh, so I'm sorry we lost that caller. Yeah, well, well that conversation... Oh, no, there it is. Oh, there he is, okay. Hey, there you are, Josh in Redwood. Thanks for waiting. We just talked about your call. Indeed, I'm sorry I lost the call on back. Uh, I'll try to make it quick. In the Matt Slick uh, conversation you just had like a couple of weeks ago or whenever, yep. you said you were a philosophical naturalist, right? No, a methodolog- methodological no. naturalist, not a philosophical naturalist. Okay, I misheard you then. I thought you said that that word accurately describes your position, what you believe about reality. So in, in, the, in the process of having this conversation with him, I explained the difference between philosophical naturalism, which is this philosophical position that the natural is all that exists, which I okay. think is an assertion um, that, depending on what your standard for knowledge might be, uh, can't actually be met. My position is not that I uh, am asserting that the natural is all that does exist. My position is more akin to methodological naturalism, where... There's been no demonstration of anything other than the natural world and no demonstrated okay. way to confirm the supernatural or supernatural causation. Okay, sorry, this hurt. Let me try this a different way then. Okay. What if I had a certain prayer or incantation in Latin, which when I said it would change a glass of water into wine, and what if everyone could do this on demand whenever they wanted full scientific rigor? Okay. I mean, obviously, that such a thing doesn't exist. But if such a thing did exist, science could show causation. Yes. Well, well, that's the thing. No, they could show correlation between what you what you said and this happening, and you could probably uh, reasonably say that there was a causal link between the magic words and the water changing. But the words are of natural origin. You haven't drawn a link to anything supernatural at this point. Okay. So then, what does it mean to defend methodological naturalism? If this prayer could be shown by science to work, then what does what this allow? So the cause of why the prayer works has not been confirmed. If science could demonstrate that prayer works, you know, that intercessory prayer works, although when we test it, it works at the rate of chance or worse, mm-hmm. depending on whether somebody yep. knows. But if science could demonstrate that a, whether it happened for everybody or even a particular sect, um, they would say prayers, and those prayers, uh, what they asked for or requested, would come to fruition. What we would have is confirmation of the efficacy of prayer, but we wouldn't have confirmation of why it works. Just like I could, I could show you um, a magic trick over and over and over again, and you would then have confirmation that I could actually do this, but you do not know why or how I'm doing it until that is actually demonstrated. Okay, so my, my problem is when you say science can't show supernatural causation, I think many Christians have a different understanding of the word supernatural. They and define science. their God to be supernatural, yeah. so when they hear you say that, they think that science could never show their God exists. Do you, do you agree with that, or you think... I don't, I don't know what most exists? Christians... I don't know what most Christians think. My position is not that science cannot ever demonstrate supernatural causation. It's that there currently 
is no demonstrated mechanism by which to demonstrate supernatural causation or that anything supernatural exists. It's not the fault of science that science can't confirm that a god exists. It's the fault of the god claim. If you propose something that is outside, the, it's, it's, it's like claiming that my, my ruler can't measure weight. That's not what it does. I, I don't know. I think you're taking an accommodationist approach spawned from Stephen Jay Gould's Noma. I don't know. I absolutely no, wholeheartedly no, no. reject Noma and think it's one of the dumbest things anybody ever said. No, I think, you know, if I understand what Matt's saying, um, it, most Christians in particular assert that their God has some influence on the natural world. And so as soon as you make a claim that that there's an influence, there's some effect on the natural world, and you define what that is, then you can investigate whether that effect actually exists. Yes. And that's one of the things that's happened with the the um, research on the efficacy of prayers. You know, the Christians are saying, hey, if we pray for people, then, you know, they get better or whatever. Okay, so that's a claim. We can test that. And when we've tested it, um, that hasn't, you know, been proven to be true. And so... I agree. So, shown to be false. So, so what we haven't done is no, no. But what happens? It's not true. Well, that, we, we, you don't think we have evidence that prayer does not work better than chance? Uh, let, let Jen finish. What we've, what the this the research shows is that prayer does not work as claimed by these Christians. Okay, um, claiming that it. Um, that this, these claims are false or something like that is not necessarily the case. What we've said is that um, uh, it's not working the way they say it is. There doesn't seem to be an effect there. Um, and so, you know, you can't conclude that God answers prayers based on, you know, the evidence that we have. So then it goes back to what other effects are we talking about here? What other things can then can your God allegedly do? You brought up turning, you know, water into wine. If there were some way that, you know, we could test that, like you said, there's some incantation that you say and it magically turns water into wine, we could do a test and we could confirm that. And if we did, as Matt was saying, all we have is a demonstration that this works. It seems to be fairly consistent, but we still don't know why it works. So if there is a supernatural explanation, that is not evident from just confirming that this incantation turns water into wine. And, and to answer your other question about whether we have enough to prove that something's false, um, th- this is the foundation of, of modern scientific skepticism, wh- which is that you're not setting out to debunk, and it may not be possible to debunk. The, when, when we were looking at a claim, we need to f- figure out whether or not the claim is actually testable. And one aspect of testability is falsifiability. And so if you propose something that's unfalsifiable, then all you could ever hope to, well, actually, whether you propose something that's falsifiable or not, um, all you're ever hoping to do is confirm or fail to confirm. And if you fail to confirm, let's say, let's say dowsing, um, that somebody can grab a couple coat hangers and find stuff. Now, the top level claim that this is possible is untestable because it's unfalsifiable. But the specific claims of any given dowser saying, I can grab a couple of coat hangers and you can hide stuff in buckets uh, and I can walk around and identify, that's a testable claim. And the only thing that we can hope to do is confirm that they can do what they say they can do or fail to confirm because all, if, if they don't pass the test, all we've shown is on that day, in that way, under those conditions, they have failed. 
That doesn't mean that they couldn't do it some other day in some other way under some other conditions. This is why skepticism, this, the modern skeptic movement, continually points out that, the, that they're not about debunking. This isn't about going out and trying to prove things false. You either confirm or fail to confirm. Now, when there's a wealth of failure to confirm, is it reasonable to tentatively accept that most likely this just isn't true? I think so, yes. But as far as confirming that the top-level claim is false, if it's not falsifiable, you can't ever get there. I don't understand the difference you mean to draw. When I say show to be false, I mean tentatively conclude is false. I mean, all knowledge is tentative. Okay, so so what are you concluding is false? Like, if I tell you that I can, can go out and... Uh, grab two coat hangers and find hidden objects, and I fail to do this. Does, ha, are you tentatively concluding that dowsing is false? Uh, if I had every single experiment for thousands of years, yes. Well, no, I'm just talking about this one for now. Well, that one's not good enough to make a general claim. I agree, but thousands of years of evidence is. So that now you're back to agreeing with what I said at the end that to accept you know, tentatively on the wealth of evidence that this is most likely not true um, or, you know, not a real phenomenon. Um, sure. Okay, but if you can conclude tentatively it's not a real phenomenon, could not it have it been otherwise, and you could have concluded that it was a real phenomenon? You can always, if I, if I succeeded in doing what I said I could do, then yes, you would have confirmed that I can do what I say I can do. But you haven't confirmed why. I think you're hung up here, and it's a misunderstanding of science. I mean, why does a hammer fall? Because gravity. But you, gravity is just a model that makes predictions. There's no mechanism. Like, like at the end of the day, all materialistic explanations are going to come down to we don't know. It, it is because the evidence says it is. No, no. What we do is it, you're right. That gravity is a model of how the world operates. Um, it may be that the you know when we're talking about causes. Um, I don't know that you could necessarily say that gravity is a cause, um, because when you when when the hammer falls, um, there's more going on than just gravity. Like if I'm holding it and let go, gravity is the force or the model that describes the action of it falling. But I wouldn't necessarily say that you could conclude that gravity was the cause, because the cause might have been me letting it go. Um, when we're, we're talking about causality. There, you have to determine what is both necessary and sufficient. And then when you, among those things that would be necessary and sufficient, there is the idea of what is the, the most probable proximal cause. Okay. So, so I take Hume's definition of causation, which is simply A's and B's. If you show correlation and you account for confounding variables, that's all a controlled experiment in a lab is. I don't, I don't understand how this gets you to confirming supernatural causation, which was my initial objection to all of this. Well, if I, I could show that the Latin prayer is, uh, causes the water to transform into wine, right, if, if it were so true. You could show that correlation, but that doesn't, that, there's nothing supernatural in there has been. Nothing. No, 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 can I show causation? Forget supernatural. Can I show causation? Could you show a causal link between uttering words and turning water into wine in your scenario? Yes. Okay. If I can show that, then what does it mean to say science can never show supernatural causation? What, 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 is, what is disallowed? What could I not do? I could show that there's a singing creature called a god. You haven't. That's, you power, haven't... that's very powerful. That can like, do whatever it wants singingly. Maybe it's advanced aliens. Maybe it's not. 
You, 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 yes, you can't. Well, well, I don't know. It depends on those definitions. My point was that you cannot confirm that anything supernatural is going on. By this reasoning, you can't confirm it's natural either. How can you confirm gravity is natural? No. Um, what we've what we talked about is describing probabilistic causes based on the possible causes, the, you know, the demonstrated possible causes. You have nothing supernatural that you can appeal to. There's nothing supernatural has been demonstrated. So go back to your example. Everybody on the planet can now utter a magical word. And, well, I don't, I don't even know that we can call it a magical word, but everybody on the planet can utter some phrase and turn water into wine. So now we have a confirmed, uh, testable process. Please demonstrate that that is a supernatural cause as the cause. Can you demonstrate it's natural? I, I, I don't necessarily know that we can demonstrate that it has to be natural. I'm saying we have, we have a natural uttering of words and a natural changing of water into wine. And if somebody wants to claim that there's something supernatural going on in either of those or that there's something supernatural behind it as the explanation, they need to demonstrate that, and I don't know how they could. Okay, well, let's back up. I think we should have done this earlier. How do you understand the word supernatural and natural? I think they're meaningless, mostly. They, okay, so supernatural is something other, other than outside of the natural world. What's the natural world by this definition? Is it natural? Is it natural because you can see it? The words are. So, so the description of the natural re, uh, relates to all of the, uh, perhaps, perhaps this is reductivist, uh, physical aspects of the universe. And, Could and I say mindless matter in motion? Sorry? Could I say mindless matter in motion? I suppose so. I mean, I wouldn't want to necessarily conclude that mind is something other than natural. Well, okay, 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 I'm sorry. So, if you define natural in this way, I, I don't know, I'm not sure we're getting See, anywhere. You think, you think that both of the words are useless, and I think that only one of them is, because the natural world exists. We, we use it, we live in it, we confirm it all the time. To the ex- I mean, you say that, I, hang on, hang on, hang, hang on. Excluding the problem that we cannot solve hard solipsism, the natural world is what we experience. If we can't even agree that we're experiencing the natural world, then of course uh, this conversation is useless. Well, no. If you say we experience the natural world, and that's the definition of natural, then methodological naturalism is useless. It disallows nothing. No. It's meaningless. Methodological naturalism is simply describes the process by which we create models of nature to describe what happens in nature. But the, it doesn't disallow any model. You, you just it doesn't, it doesn't, it does not allow for supernatural causation in, for causation. Well, what does that be, mean? You have to, like, give it to I just, I just told you, it, which means it's, I just told you that it means other than nature. And you define nature seemingly as observable. Yes. Which means that science can only work on the observable, and I agree with that. But many, that's not... That you, you, called in, you called in to say that science can prove the supernatural. 
And well, I've asked you, you say that if I've asked you confusing. I don't say it necessarily Josh, show supernatural causation. I say that when you say they can't it's Josh because it's meaningless. Okay. It says here that you say I've said science can't prove the supernatural and you think I'm wrong. So does that not mean that you think science can prove the supernatural? No, I think the third option, incoherent. Okay, I'm done with this call. This is a waste yeah. of time. I'm not going to argue semantics. Well, okay. meaning is important, but this call isn't. Thanks. All right. I thought somebody right. was calling in to say that science could confirm the supernatural. Yeah. And now he says that that's not what he's saying. So well, that, he agrees with me. That's that's kind of how his um, intro there read. Yeah. On there that he thought, yeah. My point okay. is, my position is not that science cannot ever confirm the supernatural. It's that at this time, there's been no demonstration that the supernatural exists and mm-hmm. no demonstrated mechanism by which to confirm the supernatural. I don't know why you would come up with an example where we can all utter a phrase and turn water into wine, uh, because that doesn't get you to causation. Right. We can't even model it. Throw out causation. Throw out the idea of cause entirely. Model this such that the supernatural is involved. And if his position, which it is, is that supernatural is an incoherent concept, um, then fine. Then then you're in agreement. I don't know why you bothered to call it. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We've got Hansi in Ontario. Thanks for waiting. Hi there. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yep. Sure. Okay, awesome. Uh, first, one say big fan of the show. Love it. Hours and hours of entertainment watching all these uh, callers and everything like that. Um, <laughs> And uh, also gives me a lot better ammunition to use against Theus uh, when arguing with them. Um, actually, um, except I'm it seems you. that you're done with that. I'm sorry. Well, based on what it, what's written here. Uh, yes. Yes. Well. Well. Actually, yes. Um, so I am an atheist. I, I'm. I'm a pretty. Uh, I hate to use the word staunch atheism because atheism is a response to a claim. But I. I'm a very rational, logical, reasonable person. Okay. However, I would really, I would like to become a theist. I'm thinking, I have tried to go to church in the past. Why? why? I'm going to start yeah. going to, uh, because I hear you say often about how um, you want your beliefs to, to correspond to reality. Yes. You know, uh, to have as many true beliefs and false beliefs. Now, I agree with that in a sense, like, except I would like to have beliefs that are beneficial to my life. But most of them are going to be, most of my I want to be true because uh, it's going to allow me to function a lot better in reality uh, to have a much more successful life. What what, I think, yeah, what, uh, what false beliefs are you wanting to... First of all, well, we'll get back to that. Okay. The, what, what false beliefs do you think would make your life better? Uh, believing in a God of, of any sort. Why would that make your well, life not, better? Not, not, not any sort, but just believing in a God that... What, why, why would that make your life better? Why? Yeah. Well, to you, uh, I was a Christian growing up. Uh, well, I mean, as, as a kid, till I reached the age of reason, I would say. Uh, I kind of went through all the motions and everything like that. Um, but I never was a strong believer. Um, but uh, basically, uh, I don't know, in the last few years, I've been, uh, um, I have PTSD. I've had severe depression, everything like that. I, mean, I would classify myself as a nihilist. Um, so I don't really see any meaning or, uh, uh, I don't know, like purpose for living. So, and I know, and I know that there's a lot of, uh, Christians and people of other faiths that, you know, are perfect, uh, perfectly happy with, uh, 
you know, bullshitting themselves. Um, and essentially, I, you know, ignorance is bliss. I would preferably uh, to reach a happier state of mind, whatever way that would be. So you, so you don't care whether your beliefs are true. You care whether or not they make you happy. Um, that's that's the primary thing. It's more important that the beliefs make you happy than that they're true. Um, I would say more important that they are beneficial to my life as far as my overall yeah, happiness, uh, experience of life. If, if it will be beneficial to me, uh, then yes. Hansi, let me, let me let you in on a little secret about theists. Um, everybody um, assigns their own meaning to life. You, you develop your own meaning and purpose for why you're here. The difference between atheists and theists is that they just give credit for that to their God and their religious beliefs. They're still going through the same process that every other human is going through um, with some, in some cases, some religious baggage added on as well. But, I think a lot of them have deluded themselves to a point where they are—they they don't face the same like existential quandaries. Well, that—that uh, that may be. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily true. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, if you think you're going to go to heaven, obviously you're going to spend less time worrying about what happens after you die. Yeah, but but I will tell you that that um, everybody that I've ever known that has been a staunch Christian that absolutely was certain they were going to heaven. Um, they still had the same anxiety about death and dying as anybody else. So, oh, I, that, I, I mean, I, I understand that. I, you know, I, that I'm process. In a family with, uh, Christians, uh, I have plenty of experience uh, with them. I just, uh, I don't know, like the the merits of. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, well, I, I, let me say. Let me also say that you know you said you you got P, PTSD and it sounds like some depression there. Yeah, I've been going to therapy for for years. Well, um, good. Yeah, keep keep addressing that because if that's what's driving your interest in religion, um, I, I think you know you might get some temporary relief from you know affiliating with a church or something like that. But but keep in mind that one of the benefits of church is the social interaction. Right, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. I think like a sense of community and yeah. everything, because being a depressed person, I don't really leave my you know, my residence or anything. I'm very locked up, so I think like something like that would be good. And I do completely understand that there's other ways to get to yeah. sense of community, either other the secular groups. I was a, I've been a member of a secular group before and everything like that. But like I said, I think there's more to it. I think it's more of this nihilistic, uh, you know, philosophy that I want to like, I want to change it. I know, obviously, since I'm not, since I am such a rational person, it would be very hard for me to like just convert. But I'm just thinking, if I go and talk to these Wouldn't people, it be I'm in this impossible? room, and I work with a, yeah, if I work with like a, a priest or something, and I talk about, and I mean, I would be straight up with them. I would say, hey, you know, I don't believe any of this. There's no evidence for it. But you know, they maybe over time <laughs> would be able to, uh, uh, I don't know, corrupt me to to be in a. A believer again. Well, so, I, I, so how do you think? Because yeah, I don't know how you do I that. I think you would agree, probably, that you can't just simply choose to be a theist. You're either convinced right. or no, you're no, not. No, yeah. I, I, so no, what, I you're about, what, what you're talking what you're talking about is based on what you just said. Is you want to go talk to a priest until he can manipulate your mind in such a way that you are convinced, and in doing so, it would seem that either he'd need to be able to demonstrate that what he is what he believes is true, 
or he would have to get you to the point where you're no longer a reasonable individual. Right, pretty much. Yeah, it would and, you and have that, to drastically change my frame of mind. And that this I, is, I, you view this as preferable to continued living. If it, if it ends up making me happier, I mean, I don't see why not. Like, I'm trying to okay, see if so you can give me a there's reason lots why of things, There's lots of things that can make you happy, and in particular, there are lots of things that can make you happy short-term that don't have that same benefit long-term, um, and that there are other benefits. So every false belief you hold potentially influences other beliefs so that once you sacrifice your ability to reason and you start adopting false beliefs, you're therefore at risk of adopting more false beliefs because they don't live in a vacuum. Your reasoning processes that you're using for A apply to B and C and D as well. Oh, I mean, I've heard you make this argument uh, many times. Um, and, I, I mean, I can see what you're saying. Like, if I do completely change my frame of mind where I'm believing this, yes, then I could become a more gullible person. I don't know. But I mean, like, overall, if I don't know what exact negative effects it could potentially have, though. Um, I mean, if I, like, let's say, let's say I take the alternative. Let's say I don't, let's say that it would make me, like, I'd go and I'd have all this community and I would become a much happier person. On the other hand, I just continue to be depressed if I don't have it and I don't. Well, first of all, I'm not uh, convinced that you. Motivation, success, or, uh. I'm not convinced, I'm not convinced that you'd be a happier person as a theist. You haven't established that that's the case. Oh, no, definitely not, but it's, it's trying something else. I mean, okay, but if, if, what, if what you're trying turns out to not be the case, turns out to not be true, um, and, and let's, say, let's say it did make you happier in some sense uh, in the short term, what about the long term? Well, I think it would make me happier in the long term. I mean, like I said, I don't know, but it has the potential to. Like, it's not like I'm taking heroin or something for a like, temporary high. I, I think you that know? I think it's exactly comparable to that. Well, that's what I thought you were getting at earlier, but I don't think it is because that's that's a te- that's a that's a temporary like chemical imbalance compared to changing uh, so, your your philosophical mindset. I, I'm wondering, and I'm, this this is the part that I'm still trying to get to because I can't really address the question until, until you can answer this. And that is, pick one thing. Maybe there's two or three things, but pick one thing that you're wanting to get out of this that you are convinced will make you happier short-term and long-term. Um, a sense of purpose and meaning. Okay. So, when you were growing up, would you have wanted your parents to pick what your career was going to be? Uh, no. Would you have wanted them to pick out your spouse? No. If... If you went to college, would you have wanted the college to dictate what your major was going to be? No, but I like to be a fairly autonomous person. Okay, then why would you want an externally imposed meaning from a god, even if one existed? Uh, well, at first it would be external, but I think eventually it could become internal. That's well, that's that's, that's true for all of the examples that I gave. If your parents and your school decide or you, you, this is going to be your major, you might find out that you actually like 
that as a major, or it's at least acceptable. Yeah, but nobody's choosing, like, like I don't even know if I would go to a Christian church, but I'm saying, like, I could, I would, if I, I, I'm picking what religion that I want to choose. You are seeking it's... an externally imposed meaning for your life. And if there are, let's say, let's say there's a hundred different religions with different meanings for your life, if you yeah. then pick which of those hundred you're going to go to, how is that different from you just picking that that's what your meaning in, is going to be in life? Your purpose in life? Uh, it's not. Why couldn't you pick? Is there some purpose that you couldn't pick without actually believing that religion? I mean, the, like, the, like I could pick a purpose or a meaning, but I think, like, I think that it's, it's meaningless. Like people say, we give our own meaning. Yeah, but we give our own meaning, but we are just arbitrarily assigning some value to some meaning. That's, that's all you're. Thing. That's all you're doing by picking which religion's purpose you you most associate. Yeah, but at least I'm deluding myself into thinking that there is a higher purpose. But I don't know. Why like, is that I a virtue? So. What? Yeah. <laughs> why why is deluding yourself a virtue? Because I think it would make me happier. Why would that? See, that's uh, that's the uh, part I don't understand. You acknowledge right now. That what you're really looking for is a purpose, and you're going to pick the religion that that has a purpose that you really kind of want for yourself. So why not just pick that purpose without having to buy into the religion portion of it um, as well? Because I don't think if I pick a purpose that isn't some type that I don't think if I pick the purpose that's like uh, some earthly type of uh, thing that it's going to to motivate me enough, because, you know, I could die tomorrow, it'll all be gone. So okay, and, really and how, how does that change if you're a believer? Couldn't you still die tomorrow? Uh, yes, definitely. But Will at it least, still be gone? But I think I'll be happier from today till tomorrow. <laughs> when I'm. Why would you think that? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm baffled by that statement. You don't think that for anything else. This is the point that I, I've brought up in, in a number of lectures I've given, especially to college students. You, you just agreed with every college student I've ever talked to. You don't want your parents to pick your career. You don't want your school to pick your major. You don't want people to dictate your spouse. And if the government dictated what your job was going to be, we would have revolt. However, you're eager to have some God assign a purpose to your life and in your case, not only are, are you going along with it, you're actively trying to circumvent your reason and your acknowledged objections to this in order to do it because you're convinced it'll make you happy. How could it possibly make you happy if it's something that you would reject under any other circumstances? And once again, I'm not convinced it'll make me happy. I just know I'm not happy right now in my current... Well, if you're not happy right... Now. If your argument is that, hey, I'm not happy right now, so I'm going to try stuff... I mean, how is that any different from trying drugs? How is that any different from saying, I'm going to go be a rock climber now to see if that's what I like? How is that any different from, I'm going to sit here and watch four seasons of white collar uh, to see if that makes my life more meaningful? By the way, it will. Yeah, yeah there's definitely a lot of different things that I could try. Like I said, I, I, think, like, I think that a church would, would just uh, help in multiple facets as far as social interaction, community, um, like I said, higher sense of purpose. I know you're saying that the... I don't know what you know, higher sense I, of purpose means because, quite frankly, right, I, I consider that a lower sense of purpose if we're going to put anything on a ladder. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I could agree. I, could, I know what you're saying. Um, but uh, I just... It, for me, it's, uh, it's just something that that I feel would help me. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I can't... I can't uh, I can't say for sure whether whether it would, but um, it's not a matter of being for sure. Just, just join a sports league. Do you know? Find a hobby that you love. Do something to interact with other people. Develop some 
you know, a social network. Well, see, here's it's, my here's my biggest problem with all of this. You 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 acknowledged that you're kind of a nihilist that you don't think that there's any grand transcended meaning or purpose to life, right? Right. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't I think don't there's think a there grand transcendent purpose to life at all. And it doesn't make me sad at all because I recognize that that sort of transcendent purpose is something that I have no interest in. I have. I don't see how that would make my life better in any way. Well, okay, yeah, but, I mean, but the, th- sorry, the problem here is that the reason people seem to think that a transcendent purpose in life is better is because religions have been lying to people for centuries to say that it's better. They're not demonstrating it. There's no good reason to think that it's true or that it's better at all. This is where they get to the you've got a God-shaped hole in your heart. This is where people would look at religions and say they, they poison you and then offer you the cure. They tell you that there's something wrong with your life if it doesn't have a transcendent purpose, and then they offer the transcendent purpose. But that's not identifying where you're really sick and giving you the cure. That's convincing you you're sick when you're not sick and then offering you the watered-down homeopathic cure in air quotes. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand that a... A hope of an afterlife is definitely not better than than living an excellent life in this life. Um, it's just like how I feel. Like I'm I'm like very depressed. My life is terrible. Like you know, have no friends. No like uh, so, uh, I, I just like if I have a bad life and I don't think that my life will ever get better. I think that my life is going to be horrible on this life. So I think that's the only thing that could give me any semblance of happiness is a hope of you know even if it's a fake hope of uh, of. Uh, you know, an afterlife. See, this, this is where we get to the problem because you, you've just said that you think this is the only thing that will do it. I don't know how you concluded that it will do it at all, let alone it's the yeah. only thing to do it, when you already acknowledged that there are atheist groups, social networks that you've been involved with. Um, you know, I, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I am not in any way trying to downplay what you're going through because I've heard this from other people as well. And not just with regard to the PTSD, but the general feelings of loneliness, of feelings that, you know, my life mm-hmm. sucks right now, I don't have any prospects, I've lost my entire social network, my family's not there, I don't have friends. This is the reason why we have things like the Secular Therapist Project, the Recovering from Religion Organization, um, trying to create better networks. Um, and better, better places and ways for people to interact. Because some people, when they get out of religion, uh, are completely lost and flailing and need something like religion. And other people, when they get out of it, are fine. It's like liberating. Um, so you're not going to find a group that's right for everybody because we're different. So I would recommend looking into Recovering from Religion. And, and by the way, they just put the credit, so i got to speed this up. Recovering from Religion, the Secular Therapist Project, and other stuff, and also getting into emails and online discussions and, and finding other people who feel similarly and talking to them. I apologize, but we've got to let you go. There's some people okay. who, who make you. this Thank show you. happen. Thank and thanks to the studio audience. We'll see you all Thank you. next week. No show on the 28th.